0: Now we're gonna have our advent readers come forward. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, And Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Come my light and illumine my darkness. Come my life and revive me from death. Come, my physician, and heal my wounds. Come, flame of divine love, and burn up the thorns of my sins, kindling my heart with the flame of your love. Come, my King, sit upon the throne of my heart and reign there. For you alone are my King and my Lord. Amen. For weeks, we've been lighting more and more candles on this wreath in preparation to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Tonight, we light the final candle for Jesus. The light of the world has come. God has kept the prophetic promise by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high we break and upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of Christmas, everyone. Christmas. i have a couple of really quick announcements i wanted to let you know tomorrow morning uh, we have a combined service at 10 a.m and then also on new year's day it's going to be a combined service at 10 a.m as well um, and then the youth have a giant party planned for um, new year's eve here at the church and then in between the services when you leave here there's going to be animals outside and um, there's going to be uh, a live nativity outside and the youth are going to freeze and they're going to love it. It's going to be great. No, it's going to be great. So make sure you stop by and see them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful uh, this Christmas Eve. We are thankful for Jesus. We are thankful for all you have done. Uh, We just pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds right now and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Will you stand together with me and let's sing our opening hymn, number 234? Oh, come, all you faithful. you. Please be seated, but keep your singing voices ready because we're going to sing another one of our favorite Christmas hymns, the first Noel, number 245. We're gonna invite you to participate in, uh, in giving at a time of year when we remember that it is Jesus's birthday after all. When you give, I, I wanna give you some instructions on how to, that you can designate your giving. Uh, if you're just, just giving to the general fund, just you don't need to designate that at all. If you want to give uh, for our white Christmas offering, we give every year for the United Methodist Children's Homes then just mark your gift white Christmas offering. And then um, and then other, other gifts that you give, any any other um, cash or loose offerings will go for our, our missions and our local benevolence fund. When we have communion later on, if you leave a communion offering on the altar rail as is, is our custom, then all of that will go for our local benevolence fund, which, uh, which we get calls on a daily basis for people asking for help. So, will you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Oh Lord, as we focus our hearts on you, and as we pause in the midst of this busy season, we ask that you would take our hearts, our minds, our souls, that you would take these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, and that you would use them to be a blessing to others as we remember the greatest gift of all, Thank you so much, Kaylin. Had to catch my breath there for a minute. After that, isn't that beautiful? Um, I want to just say a quick reminder to you, and I, I, I might remind you later on in the story, just in case you're like me and you need two or three reminders. If you didn't get one of these, you're going to need this a little bit later on. So, uh, some sometime in the next few minutes, uh, have if you can get somebody either. From Mac- uh, entrance back there or from the Chestnut Street entrance to get one of these so that when we have our, our, our closing song we can all have a candle for the candlelight. Philippians chapter two verses one through 11 uh, will be our scripture this evening. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We've been talking all Advent about uh, the, all of the different names associated with Jesus. And, and you know, just, just for fun, I decided to, to go to uh, Google because, you know, you find everything on Google. And I went to Google and just typed in the name Jesus. And I found that there were 1,630,000,000 different entries just typing in the name Jesus. Who knows how many words have been written over the centuries, how many songs have been sung, how many different sermons delivered, how many different creeds have been spoken using the name of Jesus. But the earliest Christian creed that we have is, out of all those words, very short in comparison. It's just four words. And they are, Jesus Christ is Lord. That was the earliest Christian creed. And of all the words ever written about Jesus, all of the songs ever sung, all the sermons ever preached, this simple creed is everything. Jesus Christ is Lord. So sometimes we are guilty in churches uh, of saying religious sounding things and then not really explaining what it actually means. So I don't want you to leave here tonight without thinking about what it actually means to say Jesus Christ is Lord. We've looked at uh, Jesus as Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the meaning of Emmanuel. We've looked at Jesus as the son of man, which means God identifying with us, God the human one, and tonight we are looking at Jesus as Lord. And by that, we mean that Jesus, more than anyone else, deserves our highest loyalty. And that's what it means to say Jesus is Lord, to say Jesus deserves our highest, highest loyalty. To say someone is Lord is is the same as saying that person wields authority or rule over someone or something. And so knowing that, I believe that it is a big deal to say Jesus Christ is Lord if we're serious, if we are serious. So we say Jesus is Lord and, and we, we say it so casually and we put religious bumper stickers on our cars and we put those little fish stickers and all of that kind of thing and, and we just kind of take it for granted uh, that we're just, you know, just being religious, being whatever. But in first century uh, Palestine, to say Jesus Christ is Lord was serious because of this thing called the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had decreed that every person was required to go to the temple every year and literally bow their knee and literally confess with their mouth that Caesar was Lord. You see the difference there? So you can imagine what happened to to Christians who refused to bow their knee and say Caesar is Lord, but instead said Jesus Christ is Lord. What seems so casual to us literally cost them everything. It cost them everything. They were not able to buy and sell in the marketplace and sometimes they were imprisoned, sometimes they were martyred just for saying Jesus Christ and Lord because in the first century, under the Roman Empire, it was considered revolutionary. I think it should be no, re- no less revolutionary for us to say it in the 21st century. So I want us to think about how, what a revolutionary way it is to live and really be serious about saying Jesus Christ is Lord. I want us to look at it through the categories of the, of the Wesleyan categories of the head, the heart, and the hands. To say Jesus is Lord is to say Jesus is Lord of our minds, our heads. And it, it doesn't mean, let me start by saying what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we don't, we are not thinking people. It doesn't mean that we are afraid of science. It doesn't mean that we're uh, not curious in, in exploring and learning all that we can. In the United Methodist Church, we have what we call the Methodist Quadrilateral we we arrive at what we believe through scripture tradition experience and reason so we don't ask people to check their minds at the door in order to have faith or believe and on the contrary we believe that Jesus uh, was serious when he said to love the Lord your God with not just all your heart and not with just all your soul but also with all of your minds so That being said, what does it mean to say Jesus is is Lord of my head, of my mind? I think it means having the attitude of Christ. In this passage that I read for us earlier this evening, Paul reminds us, first of all, what a Christ-like attitude is not. He said, uh, a Christ-like attitude is not selfish and it's not conceited. That's the opposite of a Christ-like attitude. Instead, he said, well, you know what we should do instead of having selfish ambition, instead of being vain and having empty conceit? He said, we should regard other people as more important than ourselves. What a revolutionary way that would be to live, to, to esteem others as more important. Instead of being self-conscious, being others-conscious, if you will. And in verse 4, he says, don't look just for your own personal interest." in other words don't just have the attitude of what's in it for me looking out for number one so that's not that's the opposite of a Christ like attitude instead Paul says look for the interests of others what a revolutionary way that would be to live that way to look out instead of saying what's in it for me saying what's in it for others and then he says have the attitude which is like Christ who was equal with God and yet emptied himself and took on the form of the slave. Do you know what it means to empty yourself? I can, I can paint a picture for you by giving you an, uh, an example from Jesus' life. On the night which he gathered in the upper room, which we'll remember when we have communion uh, in just a little bit, um, they had worked hard to, to serve the Passover meal together. The city was crowded. Uh, after supper was over, They realized that in in the rush and the busyness of the season, they had forgotten to do what was a customary thing for everybody to do in that day and time, which was washing the feet. It was a sign of hospitality. It was really rude not to do that. But nobody wanted to do that job. Peter must have been thinking, you know, uh, I'm the rock. Jesus called me the rock. And so... I'm not going to get down and wash anybody's dirty feet. And John might have been thinking, you know, uh, I'm the one that Jesus loves. That's how John described himself in his gospel, the one that Jesus loves. Jesus, I'm kind of Jesus' favorite, really. And so surely he wouldn't want me to wash people's nasty feet And while whatever was going through their minds, I don't know that that was going through their minds, but whatever was going through their minds, while they were thinking it, the one who actually was the son of God, who who was Lord, got up from dinner, wrapped a towel around his waist, and got down and washed their feet. What kind of God washes our feet? Emmanuel, God with us, the son of God, the human one, the son of man. So Jesus must be Lord of our attitude, Lord of our minds, and Lord of our hearts. Now, people have different meanings when they say hearts. They mean all kinds of different things. Oh, she broke my heart, or uh, I love you with all my heart. But when I say heart, I'm talking about the center of your life, your, your longings, your emotions, the seat of the center of your life. It, it's where we find our rest in God. Uh, St. Augustine said, Oh God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. So as we try to fill the center of our life with other things and we find that we come up empty, whether it be our jobs or our hobbies or material possessions or money, at the end of the day, we'll find it lacking because our hearts Were made to be at peace with God. So I read a story not long ago about um, a guy named Everett Howard who was a missionary um, to the Cape Verde Islands uh, off of the coast of Africa and when he was a young man he came to the point where he wanted to turn his life over to God and 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 give God everything and so he went to church one day and he knelt down at the altar and took out a piece of paper and a pen and He wrote down on the paper what he thought God would want from him and what he was willing to promise God and he placed that on the altar and in a kind of dramatic representation of giving his life to God and he expected the heavens to open and the angels to sing, but he didn't experience any of that, nothing. And finally, after the silence, he kind of felt God speak to his heart. And so he took the paper and he tore it up and he just placed a blank piece of paper on the altar. And he said, God, I'm just giving you my life and every day I'll just let you help me fill that page up little by little. And he served as a missionary for 36 years and he said little by little every day he would find something to put on that piece of paper of course he didn't know at the time that he was going to to go through uh, you know illness and famine and poverty and everything but he said he would do it all over again to just give God a blank page and say God I'm giving you my heart and then finally to give the Lord our hands to let Jesus be Lord of our hands that means action that means actually, of course, doing something. You know, I like to, to uh, Tammy will tell you that I, I like to read recipes and I like watch little TikTok videos and stuff of, of uh, how, to, how to cook things. And I, I'll, I'll share them with the family, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll take them out. I'll just And sometimes I'll say to Tammy, hey, listen to this, and I'll read this. And I'll say, doesn't that sound good? And she'll, I don't know, she's knitting or whatever. She's like, yes, dear, whatever. But here's the thing. I'm not the one that actually ever cooks anything. Um, you, you actually have to, you, you can't get a full belly from reading a recipe or from watching a, a video of how somebody else made something. You actually have to get in the kitchen and rattle the pots and pans, don't you? So to say Jesus is Lord is not just Lord of our, of our hearts and Lord of our minds, it's Lord of our actions to actually do something. I wanna close by um, talking about some animals. And by the way, after our service I, and after communion and, Everything. I want you to go outside and, and check out the animals in the live nativity s- s- scene. It, it's gonna be, we're gonna have llamas and sheep and donkeys, oh my, and teenagers. <laughs> but I'm convinced that there had to be uh, cats and dogs at the first nativity, you know. So I wonder if you've ever heard the difference between dog theology and cat theology. Dog theology goes like this You feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be Lord. And cat theology goes like this You feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you love me, I must be Lord. If you have dogs and cats, you know. But Jesus is Lord, He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Son of Man, God identifying with us, and he is Lord. Let's pray. O Lord, come into our hearts, come into our minds, come into our actions, and be Lord of our lives. Amen.
2: O holy night, the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth.
1: Remind you of a couple of things uh, as we prepare to take Holy Communion. Uh, first is uh, we have open communion in the United Methodist Church. Everyone present is invited to come and receive Holy Communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of any church. All you have to do is, is be uh, have a heart that's hungry for God and come and so all are welcome at the Lord's table. And then the, the second thing is um, The way that we will receive holy communion we'll have um we'll have two stations we'll be standing right over here and standing right over there and if you'll come um come out the outside aisles to the the stations and receive the the bread and the cup and then after that if you want to uh, kneel for a moment at the altar you can and then go back to your seat through the center aisle then we'll be able to kind of keep everything flowing and, and hopefully not get into log jams. And we'll have the sides, will come first. We'll have our ushers that will kind of direct you, we have our sides, will come first. And then we'll have, um, you know, one row at a time so that we don't get all stacked up and that's the way that we will receive Holy Communion that way. It's always our custom to receive a communion offering. If God leads you and if you are able to and you want to leave an offering on the altar rail, our communion offering always goes for our local missions for people who come and, and ask our church for help. So that being said, hear this invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another, Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup. Again, he returned thanks to God and he said, take this and drink of this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we bow before you, we remember your giving your life for us, that the Lord of Lords would take on human flesh and would die for us. We remember your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, so that we might be reconciled with you and reconciled with each other. Thank you for that great redemption pour out your spirit now on us gathered here out of love for you pour out your spirit now on these gifts of bread and wine may they be for us the body and blood of Christ even as we are the body of Christ redeemed by his blood broken and shared with the world as we come to your table tonight make us one with each other and one with you and one in ministry to all the world until you come again and we feast at your heavenly banquet, we feast at this earthly banquet, and we say with all of our hearts, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to ask those who are assisting me uh, this evening with communion, if you'll come and be served first. And then, as I said, we'll set up here out front and, um, and invite you to come. Body of Christ, broken for you.
3: Blood of Christ, shed for you.
1: Arise and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. Okay, we're Methodists, right? So we're methodical. There, there's a method to to doing a candlelight uh, service without um, burning anyone's hair or anything like that, which is important. So uh, I, I'll ask you to, to kind of follow these instructions. What I'm gonna do is to, to get my, my acolytes and, and maybe some others, maybe the first people on the row, if you'll come as I come around here, and light your candle from mine, uh, and then take it back to your row and pass the light down the row to the people on your row. Um, Now, when you're lighting your candle, um, let the person next to you light their candle off of yours. You hold your candle up. Let them come in from the side and light theirs and then hold theirs up and then let the next person come in from the side. That, that reduces the risk of uh, wax spillage uh, and, and ouches and that kind of thing. So uh, we will do that. And then once everyone's um, uh, candle is lit, then, then we'll, we'll hold our candles up as we're, as we're singing Silent Night. Uh, where The words to Silent Night, by the way, are on the back of your uh, worship bulletin. They'll probably be up on the screen too, okay? Um, as after we get done singing Silent Night, we'll have a short benediction and then we'll take our light uh, out into the world, M- maybe figuratively, because really we're gonna kind of and, and drop it in the, the metal containers on, at at the entrances, okay? All right, everybody good? Ready? Okay. Will you stand? Let us go into the world and let our light shine before others so that others may see our good works and give glory to God. Amen. Merry Christmas. like your, ooh, let me turn my mic off here.